Hi, this is Julie Bell, and you're listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and welcome to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, brought to you by the Marvel Cards Fan Collective, an awesome community of card collectors and creators. You can find our two groups on Facebook, details of which are at the end of this podcast, so come check us out. With me is my co-pilot in all things Marvel cars, the delightful and contagious Norin Rad. Say hi, buddy. Hey, guys. So um, so this is our first episode, so um, bear with us. Um, we're going to talk about, we are going to talk about cards. And yes. we're going to talk, we might talk about some comics. Uh, we might talk about MCU films. I'm in. So Norin, we've yes. known each other about a year, year and change, maybe now at wow. this point. Yeah, yes. It's been, yeah, it has, hasn't it? Wow. We have, yeah. It's only been a year. We've done a lot in a year. We have done a lot in a year. Our eyes met over a crowded Facebook, um, and uh, the bromance was real and immediate. Um, Still so. there for me. Still fresh. <laughs> um, so um, so what I thought for, for this first episode, you know, few folk will know us from the groups, and... Um, few folk will know us from various other places on the internet where marvel cards are talked about and um, um and uh, passionately uh, debated um i kind of figured if we just like, told people about us and about you know where we come from you know how much skin we've got in the game while we're doing this so um so i'm going to start with you because i've just been talking and quite frankly everyone needs to hear those delicious um american tones of yours Oh, stop that. <laughs> just making me blush. Oh. Um, oh. So, sure. so, um, so, so where did you start? You, I mean, you, I, I, know, I know what you collect, but tell the people what you collect. Yeah, so I primarily collect Silver Surfer trading cards. Um, I'm currently trying and getting really close to collecting every trading card released for the Silver Surfer. Wow. Um, probably 80% there with the gaming cards and the promos and the foreign cards and the stickers, which I hate so much that I have to collect stickers. (laughs) Um, But now I'm down that rabbit hole of eBay where there's nothing else to get. And once in a while I see that prism sticker and you're like, wow, maybe I do need this in my life. So that's where I'm at with my collecting right now. Wow. Um, I started collecting, man, I've been in the surfer. He was the first superhero I came into contact with, actually. Um, So I grew up in a very different household. My sister has autism and behavior issues. So my family life was very different from other kids. And sometimes it could be really tense. Sometimes everything was okay. So my personality was always very different from a lot of other people. So a lot of other superheroes that are very forthright, like, or funny like Spider-Man, forthright and edgy like Wolverine, the Silver Surfer spoke to me a lot on a more personal level than a lot of other superheroes. So he's kind of always become, he's always kind of been my superhero in the background. But um, I had been collecting trading cards since I was a kid. Me and my friends would collect them in the neighborhood and it was just, just great memories, always a lot of fun. And I didn't become serious about collecting the trading cards until I found out about Sketchographs back in the day. And when I found out about Sketchographs, I had no money, <laughs> even though they were like $20, $30. I was still kind of young at the time. 
Uh, but I remember always being a fan. And it wasn't until I finished graduate school, started teaching at a university and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, you know, I need a hobby, need something to kind of distract me every once in a while. And so it's become collecting trading cards of the Silver Surfer now. And I bet at that point you wish they were still 20 or 30 bucks a piece. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. No, I've gone from I've gone from wanting to collect a Silver Surfer sketch from every series that had a sketch that allowed the Silver Surfer into the series. Because now, unfortunately, he's banned. Hopefully mm. that changes soon. Um, but I went from wanting all that. I went from wanting the Fantastic Four archive set to having a Silver Surfer by every artist in that set. Um, it's just so much. And the Surfer comes at a high premium. He's such a popular character that I'm fighting with. Luckily, funny enough, I know all the other Silver Surfer collectors. <laughs> so when there's a bidding war, I know kind of where the card's going to go. How many are there? Silver Surfer collectors? Yeah. There's, okay, that I know of. I know there's two that are hiding, that I've never met or never spoken to, that are just won't talk to anybody. And pretty much black hole collectors, right? The collectors that collect things and just vanish. And you never see those things again unless like 20, 30 years later. Mm-hmm. But there's, I won't name anybody because they're they're quiet bunch. Uh, we have cool. one now that you know of who posts just amazing sketch cards daily. Uh, Rick, yeah, yeah, yeah. Rick, who has an awesome collection. Super envious of them. Um, some Rick's other good collections. Rick's a dude. Rick's a dude. No, he's yeah. the man. No, he's uh, Rick. If you hear this, open invitation to come and talk about your collection on the podcast. Seriously, he's a very cool dude, very nice. Um, and then I know one guy who's a good friend of mine who, you know, keeps his stuff kind of quiet. No joke, he has over 500 Silver Surfer sketches. Stop it. 500. <laughs> I've sold him a few of mine because I've, I've basically I've come up with the idea of only having a top 27. That's 27 artists that I feel that do the Silver Surfer in, in my kind of taste that gotcha. I really enjoy their work. And I've narrowed it down to 27 as my lot of particular cards. Because the issue I kept running into collecting sketch cards, which maybe is a little off topic, off, off topic is that I realized that I would buy Silver Surfer sketch cards and then there would be some that I would favor over the others. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that they're so expensive, yeah, because they're so expensive, it wasn't like I can pick up I can't pick up a sketch for under ten dollars for a surfer. It's always gonna be fifty or more. Very rarely will I ever come across a surfer that's fifty or less. That's ridiculous for me as a collector. I think it's amazing that other people do it, and I'm super envious hundred percent, but there's no way I could invest that kind of stuff, especially with the juice ghost set that came out. Surfer is a tier four collector, a tier four card. There's no way I can spend money on a Jusco autograph or a Jusco plate and still have money for the sketches. <laughs> or food. Or, or food. Or to eat. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, I'm not hurting for no food, but you know. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it's, so basically what ended up happening, I decided to do the top 27. And I feel pretty happy with the sketches I have right now. I don't, they're, they're sketches I, that are, NFS, right? Never for sale. Mm-hmm. That's what I want in my collection. I don't want to doubt a card that I have. And I don't know. That's my opinion. That's how I decided to go about the hobby. Yeah, oh, that's now. good. Because you've also got loads of the base cards, haven't you? So you, you know exactly what set has a I surfer have, card. And yeah, you've, you've pretty much got time. most of them. 
that I have, I have I'm missing no joke from the main series not including foreigner gaming which I pretty much have all the gaming ones I'm missing only two and there's like over 70 wow um for the trading card series like Marvel Universe Flare Masterpiece all those cards wow there's probably a hundred over 178 of those wow and I'm only missing, not counting the plates. The printing plates I have a lot of, but you know they're one of one. So I'm only yeah. going to do one printing plate per series because I was going to try to do all four, but no one's going to let me have all those. They know me by now. They don't. They want me near them. They hear Nora. They're like, no, 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 keep quiet. I don't yeah. have any surfers. Yeah, they lock like, them okay, away in the basement. And, they're, and, they're like, no, uh, yeah. mm. they're not going to give it to me. So I'll be lucky to get a plate for every series. I'm maybe missing five cards. Wow, that's and incredible, guy. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I'm maybe it's diamonds, primarily the diamonds, the Marvel 75th diamond, those kind of cards, the tens, mm -hmm. and the green gem, the Marvel retro green gem. That wow. sucker is extremely elusive. No really? one has that. No one has that. How many of those are there? Only 10, but for some reason, wow. no one, no one, no. Is it 10? I believe it's 10 or 5. I'm pretty sure it's 10. No one's, No one has that. It hasn't come up. No one has that. I got really lucky last summer with the rarest cards in my collection, which is the Marvel Onslaught Silver Surfer signed by Stan Lee. Oh, yeah. I saw you pick that up. Which I is, just, yeah. I got super lucky. I got super lucky. And then the Marvel QFX signed the 35 matted. Like, there's no gloss on the card because it was inserted. It was 35 of them signed by Joe. The guy who did the QFX series, who is Marvel and Chief, Joe Kuzad? Joe Casada. Casada. Yeah. And he signed that one. And that was pack inserted, only 35 of each character. Wow. And that's crazy rare. Crazy wow. Rare. Those two I picked up last summer. Those are pretty much jewels in the collection. Yeah. So you're doing well. Very focused collection. Very tight. It's the only way I could do it. And funny enough, I was going to tell you. Um, I know a lot of people are starting to get in the series who are listening to this who are into Marvel masterpieces. Yeah. Um, which, you know, I'm excited for one day to us to have an episode about investments because I feel like that's the series. Oh, we will be looking at, yeah. which I'm excited about. But for the Marvel masterpieces, I've actually decided to do a small. So for a certain set that I like, especially if it doesn't have the surfer in it, I'm doing a nine page. And that nine page can be a collection of printing plates, autos, characters I particularly like, or just to highlight a spotlight on one character and get a full rainbow. But just a single nine page. That's it. Like I have a full base because I had fun and bought some boxes, which I tend to like save money because you never know when a surfer is going to come up. I just yeah. I have to be that kind of collector. Otherwise, I can't touch them. And the thing with cards is once they're gone, you know this, they're gone. Mm -hmm. You're never going to come across a card again. Yeah. usually rarely do you see a card twice yeah yeah unless they're 10 years apart or something yeah, yeah. wow i'm just in awe i just because I, I know you've just started your new instagram feed where you're yeah. showing off your entire server collection what, what's it called it's called Z, uh, zen law archives which okay. is the planet from the surface from um so z e n uh, z e n n uh, underscore law dot archives and I got the idea I've always wanted to do that Instagram page I have the sketch card hive but that was just for collection fun getting to know people I always wanted to have a wall in the Instagram to show off that hobby because I, I think Instagram is a great place to show off the hobby very much very yeah. much 
very, I think, I really do think if people start getting into it, it will be the place to show off the hobby other than sketchcollectors.com, which is a great site. Um, and I've always wanted to start that. And I saw that guy, I don't know if everyone else saw him too, the Doctor Strange archive. Yeah. Yeah. Right he there. recently joined uh, MCCW. He's amazing. Did you see his, his website is so well laid out and I've done web design for a while. Um, but his website for his collection is by far one of the best I've ever seen. I need to check that out. I need to check that no, out. It's, it's really organized. It's so well done. And it's, I mean, he keeps up with it. That's, that's a true, true, true tribute to that character. So I wanted to, you know, do something about Instagram. So I'm 147 posts in. Or yeah, you're motoring. I open Instagram and I see nothing else at the moment. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, but it's not bad. Only thing. by 1996. Wow. Okay. So you've it's got some way to go. Yeah. Wow. No, it looks awesome. It looks absolutely awesome. Um, and we do have, um, I mean, most of you may know about it, but we do have an at MM Collectors uh, for the Marvel Masterpieces Collectors group on Instagram. Um, what I've found is that a lot of artists are on Instagram. Um, much more so than Facebook. In fact, a lot of them are on Instagram. Obviously, you know, it's a very visual medium, but unlike, uh, was it sketch card collectors you just mentioned? Well, of course, you go to that site because you want to look at sketch cards. But of course, Instagram is open to everyone. So for, for me, Instagram is the best place to actually advertise the great art and the, you know, the, the cards that are out there, new and old. Yeah they're doing the hobby um and so you know i get some of the most incredibly positive interactions from from people um your page on is instagram epic your page is epic the mm collectors i mean that is daily insight into seeing those cards mm. and it's so consistent well and it kind of so impressive it kind of has to be and i remember i was talking to i work for a um Hey, uh, we're doing this. This episode is going to be called Origin Stories, so we might as well crack on <laughs> with mine. But I'm, um, I'm going to, um, I'll get into that in a moment. But I was um, talking to, I work for a marketing agency, um, have done for a number of years, um, and I was talking to someone in social, and 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 she's a very very smart smart lady, great 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 girl to work with, um, called Sam, and she was saying that basically the 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 way that you uh the way that you go about maintaining um any facebook presence so a group fan page whatever it may be you kind of look at it in terms of three pillars of content so you have the um and i'm going to forget what they are now so if if she ever <laughs> listens to this she's so going to smack me um you have um hygiene hero and there's one other and the, the idea being is that hygiene is kind of your daily posts. So that's why I do them on Marvel Masterpieces Collectors on Facebook and on MM Collectors on Instagram is that you've constantly got content going on to there that just, you know, keeps it fresh. And, you know, all the algorithms and, and shizzle like that behind Facebook keeps it prominent. Basically, it means it's alive. There's stuff on there. And also for me, it's a really great way of actually getting the cards out because you know they live in binders and these things need to be appreciated and looked at so getting them out and actually every time i take you know i do i do sessions when i'll be up here in my um 
we're recording in my uh, my loft, my uh, man cave, my fortress of solitude. It will uh, henceforth be known. Um, I take these photos and I'm looking at these cards, thinking, you know, I didn't notice that detail, or I didn't know it was that artist. And then, you know, if it's an artist that I haven't, you know, looked at before, because there are an, an awful lot of artists, especially on the 2007, 2008 sets, um, right. who um, we haven't yet engaged with in any way who've done other marvel card sets or who are still very much active in marvel comics um or in other areas of the business um and those guys whenever i tag them on instagram they're like oh i'd forgotten i did that that was like 10 years ago and it's brilliant to see it uh, and i never actually got uh, i have one guy i can't remember the, i can't remember the guy's name at the moment um who said i never actually got copies of those cards so it's great to see them so wow. you know he's there and he's like okay i know my art was used on that card um i didn't do it for the card because 2007 2008 a lot of the, the art was taken from other other places it wasn't specifically produced for the cards for the most part is my understanding um and um yeah so it's you know it's great and these guys are there and they're not on facebook they're on deviant which is very much you know a place to, yeah, to, yeah. Know, to look they might be on through yeah. yeah exactly they might be on they might have their own web pages um they are possibly on facebook but that will often be separate to their personal profile so it'll be the art of such and such or you know see for me the instagram instagram has become the second phase of collecting right it is mm. that transition from you like these are the stages of collecting at least from my experience you know the interest where you find out about the card, yep. the hunt where you yep. track it down, uh, or box breaking or whatever it can be. That's the discovery stage, right? Where you get the card in and you're really looking it over, expecting it, enjoying it. Whatever I'm it loving this scientific breakdown of the collecting of pieces <laughs> of cardboard. <laughs> wonderful. Wonderful. <laughs> Sorry, carry on, carry on. In our natural history, yeah. nostalgia and hobby. I've got this image. You know, you know that image of evolution where you have where you have the, pr the primate at one end and modern <laughs> man at the other. I've got this mental <laughs> image of the different stages of evolution of a card collector. That'd be good if someone could illustrate that. That'd hey, be awesome. listen. Um, um, if there's any artists listening to this group and you want to knock that up, then you know, f f feel free. Go ahead. Anyway, okay, sorry. So carry on. So, discovery. Discovery. <laughs> so you're in discovery stage. You find the card, and then you go through the next thing, which is like storing the card, right? And most, for me, the reason I collect trading trading cards over original comic book art pages, other than money, is storing. You know, you're really investing in a space to store those original pieces of pages. And I would love to have a few, but I wouldn't know. I would really have to set up for something like that. <laughs> Look behind me. <laughs> I yeah, mean, the people right? listening cannot see, but we are also on video. And behind me, I have uh, numerous binders. See, and that's the difference between Ian and me. Ian collects an amazing wealth of collection from sets to well, I don't, I don't want to tell him who your character is yet because I'm, I'm excited to hear your no, story. Well, well, don't, don't bury the lead on that. We might have to have a two-parter. No, nothing at all. But, yeah. um, but, you know, me, I keep everything in a small, in a case. <laughs> I guess I like to keep everything in cases. But then you go storing. And I feel like the cool part about what you were saying, which is when you take the card out again and you photograph it, mm. there's a level of inspection and detail looking at the card 
that makes you enjoy the card again. Yeah. Absolutely. And for me, that's what brings life into the hobby is that, is that regaging with discovery and remembering and looking at, and that's the point of having something tangible rather than just taking a photo yeah. or having a, a file on your computer that has all the pictures. There's yeah. something about physically having a trading card in your hand yeah. that says, you know, you get to enjoy this piece in this private space. Yeah. Or, you know, I think that's, that's part of it. I think that's why for the longest time for me, I was, I was a bit wary of EPACs because I didn't quite get it. Because the two, very name two. to me implied that, okay, maybe I'm not going to get a physical card. And hey, listen, I, we are definitely going to be talking about EPACs on a future episode. So I don't want to um, yeah, um, uh, talk too much about that now. But um, anyway, let's go back to talking about me. Um, so. Yeah, I want to hear. <laughs> so actually, so just, just to uh, take the conversation in all seriousness, Ian, I'm dying to know. What was the beginning of all this for you? Well, I um, I'm for, for those of you who are probably having trouble um, understanding my English accent, mate. Um, I don't know what was that vaguely Australian. That was bizarre. It was vaguely Australian. Yeah. I'm G'day. a Buffalo accent. I, G'day. I, I Welcome to the that. Marvel Car Collectors Podcast, buddy. Um, no, <laughs> I um, I don't get me. Like don't get me stuck. Oh no, they. they <laughs> Whatever accent I start, it ends up either Welsh or Punjab, one of the two. Um, so I, um, so I'm in the UK and I grew up in Devon. So I grew up in a very, um, it's a very rural part of the of of the country. Um, okay. And I remember, I remember, uh, I remember being into it's kind of because I'm 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 ancient. I'm older than you think I am. Um, <laughs> I'm uh, so it's kind of late seventies, and I'm you know, aware of the fact that my brother is five years older than me was able to go to the cinema on his own, and I wasn't. Mm. Um, and that was when we had a cinema in our town because it closed down when I was five or six, I think. Um, and he was able to go to the cinema on his own. I remember one of the first movies he was able to go and see was the Christopher Reeve Superman the movie. So what's that? Yeah. 77, 78, something like that. Um, and I was dying to see it, but I couldn't you know, and my mum wouldn't let me go. So I was like, okay, fine, fair enough. But I was kind of intrigued, you know, that kind of movie was, you know, was appealing to me. And I remember at the time I was big into Star Trek because they showed that on BBC Two, I think, at the time. Um, and, you know, I was pretty young. So half the episodes terrified me and half the episodes fascinated me. Um, and then uh, fast forward a few more years and there was a, there was a comic that came out... Um, that had actually been around in the 50s and 60s in the UK um, called Eagle, um, which is very much a boys, you know, boys' own adventure kind of um, uh, publication. And it got relaunched in 1982. And uh, it was relaunched with uh, Dan Dare. Have you ever heard of Dan Dare? No, I haven't. Oh, mate, you should check it out. Uh, Dan Dare is, I'm turning around because I've got some piles on the floor over there, but um, I'll... Um, I'll send you a link. And actually, uh, while I'm thinking about it, when we put this episode up on the groups and on the Instagram page, I will put up links of everything we've talked about. So I'll put a link to that um, Doctor Strange Collector. Uh, forgive me if you're listening. I can't remember your name. It might even be Doctor Strange Collector, in which case I got it right. Yay. Um, but, um, and we'll put up a link to um, Dan Dare and things like that. So, and hopefully, if we talk about stuff that we might want to have visual as well, we can put some pictures of that up. So there'll be a post. 
um, yeah. where you can look at stuff because the, the thing is with a podcast is that we might talk about something and people can't see it so i think it's always a good idea to right. have, a, have a post that goes along with anyway so that came out and then in that same year uh i was nine um uh my father died um in august of 82 and for the next year i just poured myself into the eagle comics i absolutely loved it and then the following year so i would have been 10 the following year i remember being in a in a in a local news agent in south Moulton, and bearing in mind this is a rural area miles from the nearest big city we had no car the internet didn't existed we had free tv channels you know it was, it was the dark ages in terms of of of, of the joyous <laughs> stuff that people get to enjoy today um they had american comic books that uh, were probably three four months behind american and had come in and this was when they were distributed to news agents in the uk and i looked at them and my mum bought me web of spider-man spectacular spider-man and amazing spider-man and we're probably i can't remember the issues but i think you're probably looking at oh, you're probably talking about spec spidey being around the late 80s 90s kind of mark uh, web of spider-man wow. was still very new amazing spider-man was in the 200s so you know we're before todd and before venom um and I remember this went on for kind of two or three months. She she bought them, and then for whatever reason, um, I didn't have any for for for, for quite a while. Um, so I had maybe about three or four months worth, so maybe ten, twelve books. And what fascinated me was that you'd be reading one, and there'd be an editor's note say, "See this issue," but for, for you know, so you know when you're reading a comic, it goes um, this, you know, such and such happened. There'd be an asterisk, and it goes, "See." amazing yeah. spider-man 237 you know so i'd be like have i got that and i'd be like yes and i'd be crosser and instantly i became aware of the fact that a there was a lot of references to previous comics that i hadn't seen and i was like okay there's a bigger world here you know there's a much much bigger universe of characters of books and i you know i just remember thinking i need to get those other books and then in the UK, uh, Marvel UK was still a thing, and they used to put out titles that would reprint the American stuff with some original content that was done for the UK market. And Marvel UK folded in the mid-90s. Um, but going back to kind of the mid-80s, they started a title called Spider-Man and Zoids. Have you heard of Zoids? No, I haven't. Heard Zoids, of okay, Z-O-I-D-S. Um, and it was, it was the most bonkers thing, because it was a comic based on a toy line. Okay, but the early issues were Grant Morrison, um, oh, wow. if you've heard of him. So it was yeah. kind of his early work because um, I think he's I think he's British. I might be wrong. I think he is originally. Um, but um, and I remember that was reprinting Spidey titles. So you know I was able to read the latest stories, like all the Hobgoblin stuff from Spider-Man, all the stuff with the Rose. Um, all the stuff of the Kingpin, and of course, Black Cat was a big part of Spidey's life at the time. Um, and she knew who he was, and all this sort of stuff. And bear in mind, I'm 11, 12, 13 at this point, so I'm reading yeah. these comics, and I am, you know, I'm I'm feeling tingly. I won't lie to you when I read about Black Cat <laughs> and when I see her running around. And it took me a lot of years to understand why. But she just, she just, she just stuck with, with me um, over the years. Again, 
So fast forward to I'm a student, I'm penniless, um, and yet I can still find uh, time to hang out in the comic book store that eventually did open, stocking imported books from America. Um, and this was around the time when Marvel Universe 2, Marvel Universe 3 trading card sets came out. And so he was ordering some of them in. And I just remember seeing other people breaking them. I don't think I actually ever bought any packs myself. Um, I just mm. remember going in there because I didn't have the money. But I was able to see other people breaking them. And I saw some of the ones that the store had broken. And they, they had sleeves of individual cards that they were selling. Um, and the holograms, of course. You know, when someone right. pulled one of those. It was always an event. Um, and those holograms are just so epic. Oh, yeah. so epic. And at the time, I just remember thinking, that's pretty cool. But I just, you know, I just didn't have any money. You know, I didn't have, yeah. you know, I, I, you know, a student, you know, on, on, on a grant from a one-parent family. And, you know, my mum wasn't working. She was on a widow's pension. So, you know, we weren't, we weren't rich. You know, we, we didn't have a dollar. So, um, and then I went away to college. I went away to, um, I, well, I won't say university because I didn't quite get to university. I did a... I did a high national diploma, an HND, um, which also stands for have no degree. Anyway, I went off and did that in performing arts and fast forward. So I'm in London. I started buying comics again, uh, living and working in London, working in the West End, working in, in, in theatre. And I'm, I'm buying you know, a few comics here and there. And, and then uh, fast forward even further, I'm working for a marketing agency for live entertainment, West End shows. So I'm doing that, and 50 yards from my office is Forbidden Planet. So, and uh, the main, the main London store, literally 50 yards. So I could, I could walk out at lunchtime, go there, and just like, just browse and do stuff, and you know, uh, and and spend my wages. So, um, and I, I, I do that, and and Marvel Masterpieces 2007 broke. And I remember, I remember seeing Marvel masterpieces. I remember always wanting it, and I remember never being able to afford them. Um, and I went in there, and 2007 was breaking, and and they were stocking it. And this was this was a pretty unusual thing for any retail store, even the hobby stores like Forbidden Planet and comic shops, to actually be carrying cardstock from America. Because at this point, it's a lot of um, collectible card game stuff. You know, you're overpowered, awesome. things like yeah, that. Yeah, because it's 07. That's right. 07 yeah. the versus systems. Yeah, yeah. you're talking about um, Pokemon still, a lot of yeah. that sort of stuff. Uh, yeah. Magic, um, which I've never gotten into and don't understand. And, um, it's a rabbit hole. I'm, I'm kind of not keen to go anywhere near. Um, I mean, they're and, beautiful cards. That is a rabbit hole. Just Yeah, <laughs> exactly, which is why I'm kind of like, I don't want to look into that no. into that vortex because I know I will be... You'll never see it again. You don't look into the arc. Yeah, but uh, yeah, exactly. But it's like in um, it's like in Avengers. Like they have a Hulk. What's a Hulk? It's like well, uh, yeah. Marvel has a black cat, so that keeps <laughs> me, that keeps me grounded. Um, and and then and that cat came out, and that set came out, and I remember I was I bought loads of packs, and then I went back and I bought the rest of that box, and then I bought another sealed box. So I think I probably bought the best part of three boxes worth. Um, and they weren't cheap because there was an import um, lift oh, on them. Oh, no, that's right. So, you know, so even per pack, they were pricey. And um, ah. they were just amazing. You know, I just, I just loved them. And, of course, it's the first time I'd seen sketch cards. 
So, um, and then 2008 came out and then I kind of became aware that Rittenhouse were putting out Marvel sets. So I started dabbling into some of those. And then, uh, well, just two words that kind of explain it for me. And at this point, dealers in the UK could get Rittenhouse product. So it wasn't geo-locked. So the upper deck stuff can't be, as I understand it, they don't have the license with Marvel to distribute their product into the UK. So, oh, yeah, because in the UK, oh, so the Marvel license is held. By, yeah, the Marvel license yeah. is held in the UK by um, Panini and Tops. So Panini get the comics and they do reprints of the American titles. So you can't buy American comics in news agents in the UK anymore. You haven't been able to since the 90s. Wow. And it's it's all reprint. So Panini have had the license since the 90s. And what they do is they they take stories and they put them together in sort of different anthology titles and bring them out once a month, every four weeks, um, which is great. But you often get stuff reprinted out of order. You often get stuff reprinted in an order that it wasn't necessarily published in. It might not make sense. And uh, for me, it's for me, part of the, the joy of comics and then the cards is the Americana of it. You know, I'm a, you know, I, I love America. I've been there a number of times. I, you know, I love a lot of the stuff you guys produce. Um, there's a lot of the stuff that you guys produce that I'm not so keen on, but we won't talk about that on this podcast. <laughs> Don't um, hold that against me, okay? I won't hold. Oh, no, no, that's cool. That's cool. Um, and in um, doing in discovering Rittenhouse, I discovered Spider-Man archives, and in discovering Spider-Man archives, I discovered Black Cat sketch cards, and oh boy, did I discover Black Cat sketch cards! And I was, I was like a, I was like a three-legged dog in a forest. I didn't know where to turn. I was. <laughs> <laughs> because there were an awful lot that. of them. There were an awful lot of them. You know, everywhere you looked, yeah. there was a Black Cat sketch card because, you know, boobies. Um, and, you know, some artists who I discovered on that set, because a lot of people, a lot of people who've gone on to work in comic books, a lot of people that have gone on to work in other medium, a lot of people that have, have stayed in sketch cards and moved on to working on base art, a heck of a lot of people. For me, and this might not be the case, but for me, it felt like this was with that set and Marvel masterpieces. And, you know, all of a sudden there was a lot of demand for these sketch cards that I think had come out maybe about 10 years earlier as sketchographs, which is what, what you call right, sketchographs. Yeah. Late I, think 90s. So I, think, I think the sketchographs see, and you know, I'm sure people listening know this as well. Sketchgraph sketchographs were had some of the more uh, top tier artists comic book legends you know when uh, you they started some, yeah right you had you had some big names yeah joe sinnett yeah right, um, right um i'm trying to think of other people now the only one has a spider-man and a captain america out there yeah. like there's there's some crazy names out there that did sketchographs and then and they were just rough sketches you know i mean still beautiful and amazing to have an original piece of art by those guys they were just remarks yeah they were remarks basically mm. right when 07, 08, 08 came out, and I'm a huge sketch card guy. For me, those Marvel Masterpiece headers, this 07 and 08, yeah. there was such a range of different styles from so many different artists that you would see one surfer or one black cat by someone else, and you could get a whole different sketch card from someone else, yeah. and the character had a different interpretation. Yeah, That's what always blew me away about that series. And it's not a coincidence you don't see a lot of the sketch cards being sold because the nice ones people keep mm -hmm. they don't resell they hold on to those i don't see i hardly ever see 
08, 07 Marvel Masterpiece sketch cards come up that are yeah. drop-head gorgeous. Ever. Even at the time. Really. Even at the time. As soon as they were out, they were, they were gone. Wow, that's crazy. Um, I remember, and I remember when I first started um, MCCW last year when it was called Marvel Global Fans. The whole reason I set that up was because you know I'm I you know I'd been on some Marvel card groups on Facebook for a number of years and you yeah. know it's it was it was great and it was good to see that there were collectors there, um, but you know a lot of them were in the US, and for me the frustrating thing is a lot of them were like, um, yeah I'm selling this card but I only ship to the continental US or lower 48 or whatever they called it and it infuriated me no end because it's like okay that, that that's nice and i get that you don't want to take the risk and you might have had a rough ebay experience but for me that was really limiting in terms of you know this hobby being a hobby for anyone you know for, for that kid who grows up in concern, yeah. in a rural area you know for who's, who's now in a position fortunate to enough to be able to afford as an adult to buy these things you know i get that these things aren't aren't cheap now especially with the premium sets and i get that they they are definitely made to a large degree by collectors for collectors um but there are still entry-level products out there there are still things in stores whoever make them be it panini tops upper deck there are still things people can buy with their pocket money and get really into the hobby from a young age so um but so I set that group up because I wanted to, you know, I wanted something that, you know, if, you, if you're in that group and you wanted to sell something, you had to be willing to post it anywhere. You know, that, that's the simple fact of it. Um, I also wanted a place where it was, you know, we weren't going to have any, you know, dramas, any angst, you know, a safe place. Drama for creators. is real. Yeah, you know, and I get it, you know, and I yeah. get it and I get things go well, down sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I get and, it. You know, whatever those things happen. You know, mm. whenever you, anytime you're dealing with a hobby that has one of ones, yeah. you're gonna have that kind of craziness. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, it's you the know, it's me, the single most positive thing about the hobby. People are passionate yeah. about it, and I love that. And that's yeah. you know, that's why we're doing this. Yeah. Ninety-five percent of the time in these groups, maybe more, I always have people looking out for me. I tell people what I'm interested in and it's not, it's not, you might hike up the, the value because other server collectors are out there, yeah. but it's not from the people in the group because they're messaging me and be like, look who came out. And then I'm running to eBay to go find it. Yeah. 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 Like that's what it, like I saw the other groups on Facebook and I avoided Facebook like the plague because I hate this aspect and the environment of Facebook. But when I saw your group and I saw what you guys were doing, I was so touched that, it was global because I think it's really idiotic to have a hobby that has things that are featuring one of ones, which are things that I absolutely adore. Like sketch cards. Like sketch cards, like Mm -hmm. plates, like autos, like red spectrums, all that kind of good stuff. Those things are sold globally. People all around the world are buying those things. You think you're going to find anything working in just the U S you're crazy. Mm. You're never going to see certain products. We just made friends with the Indonesia group. Yeah, I saw. Man, those yeah, guys are and king. They're super kind. And yeah. Those guys are king. Very awesome people. And they're in the group now. And it's crazy to have access to people. Like we're seeing MM18 autos from them that we didn't know were being pulled. Yeah. 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 It's, yeah. it's nuts. And see, we're seeing you know, product that was made specifically for that country. 
as well. We're seeing card yeah. sets that have been licensed officially, but they're not US produced stuff. And some of them, you know, from the little I've seen, some of them have got some pretty crazy different artwork on it. So, you know, really cool stuff. There really could cool well be some, there yeah. could well be some surfer stuff that you haven't seen. There could well be some black cat stuff that I've not seen. There could be some Iceman yeah. stuff for Brandon. There could be some, uh, yeah. Who else? Who else? I mean, listen. We'll get into um, Vogue for Josh. Josh Vogue, yeah, Rogue. Rogue for Josh. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, oh man, he's got some sweet cards. Listen, all of these guys we're talking about, you can find on the groups. So <laughs> it, yeah, the simplest way to enjoy yeah. uh, the, their cards is to, is is to is to come see. But you know, all of these guys, if they're up for it, and I get it's not for anyone you know, would love to have some of these character collectors on, you know, I'm not just a character collector. I know you're primarily a character collector. You know, I tend to go, you know, I've got, yeah, you, you go. I've gone in for the, well, I've gone in for the Marvel masterpieces sets. Obviously that's my biggest love. You're a beast. Yeah. No, I just, I just love them. Yeah. I just yeah, love the legacy right. of it. I mean, there's been 10 sets. I don't think there's any other set. That's no, why, that's why I set up, that's why I set up the group just for that. Cause I figured, okay, flair's good, but there's been two going to be free. And we'll talk about that on future episodes, the next Flare set. Um, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, Marvel premieres, what, three or four sets in? Uh, Flare Ultra, a bit X-Men or Spider-Man, you're still only three or four sets of those. Marvel Universe had five Universe originally, then a couple more. So, you know, Marvel Masterpieces is a legacy set because I, have to, I, I would argue that a lot of the sets that came after wouldn't have existed unless Marvel Masterpieces 1992 no. hadn't been as successful Not as it at was. all. 110. Joe Jusco's uh, MM92, uh, Marvel Masterpiece 92, that, that set opened the floodgates for original art to be featured on trust, trading cards. Hands Absolutely. down. That was um, it. And, and it just continued with 96. It continued with 95. I mean, it was just consistently new work that was being produced solely for trading cards yeah. which is for me the bread and butter of it all like i would love to one day own a 96 marvel masterpiece set um that's going to come way down in the future when i decide to pick that up but mm. there are some really amazing things happening with marvel masterpiece i'm excited to talk about that with the investing when we get to it yeah that's we'll definitely get be that. fascinating we'll definitely get, get that. i'll tell you what listen i mean a credit to him uh, you pronounce it Jusco, I say Jusco, but I'm not sure which it is. So Joe, come on the podcast. I know you're listening, buddy. Please, brother. Come on the podcast. Come and talk to us. Tell us yeah. how to pronounce your name. And uh, you know, hats off to I'm you. So I'm sorry mean, about that if it's wrong. <laughs> I, to be honest with you, I have a feeling you're probably correct. It's just um, I'm you know, American English and English well, you know, English. It's weird too because there's not a lot of there's really nothing out there like YouTube series wise. You know, there's really nothing out there podcast-wise where no. you're hearing these characters. There's really not. So you wouldn't, like Simone Bianchi, right? I had no idea the pronunciation of that until Matt told me. And yeah. It's amazing. Like, but the weird thing about. is, on there was an Upper Deck video that came out in the autumn, just gone, in the fall, sorry, oh, yeah. um, where they pronounced it Bianchi. And so I've been second-guessing myself on that. Now, the longest time. now, if anyone would know, <laughs> I mean, obviously, Simone would know because it's his surname. Um, uh, ciao, Simone, if you're listening. Um, was that Italian? Hey, Did I just embarrass myself? Anyway. Yeah, um, but yeah, if amazing. anyone else knows other than Simone and his nearest and dearest, it would be Matt because 
Matt is um, yeah, Matt is, is is devoted and then some. So line on that one. He is. So, um, but listen, yeah, thank you, Joe, for doing that set because uh, I think it's fairly confident that we wouldn't be having this conversation. You wouldn't be listening to this podcast. There'd yeah. be no groups on Facebook to talk about. And it almost killed Joe creating them, as I understand it. So, um, what a beast, by the way. Like, so, that's insane to look back to see what he did in just a couple of months or however. I, crazy. It was a ridiculous amount of time. Absolutely crazy. At, and each card, still to the day, everyone's looking at those cards yeah. and feeling in awe of what he decided to do. Yeah. So, yeah. listen, I mean, we've talked about a number of ideas about what we're going to do with this podcast over the coming weeks. Yeah. Um, I'm hoping it's going to be weekly. I've got no idea how long we've been going, probably almost an hour. So we'll probably wrap up soon for this first episode, at least. Because, um, yeah. hey, people have got... Um, lives and jobs to go to and they're probably <laughs> sitting in their parking lot listening to us before they go into work um but Sorry we've got yeah, we've got some ideas you know things we want to talk about you know new sets character collectors we've we talked about you know we want to have some of you guys on if you're up for talking about it i know a lot of people don't like hearing themselves hearing the sound of their own voice um if crikey. anybody wants to become private we won't mention your name we'll just talk about you as if you exist as a presence somewhere yeah we, we absolutely will do we that reference your name or we absolutely will do that might make it tricky to have them as a guest on the podcast however knowing we need to be um we can, do the, we can black out you know we can muffle their voice we could do or we could have it voiced by an actor <laughs> um there we go. that actor could be tricky voice. that could be tricky um origin stories i've written that down we've kind of done our own but you know listen i i want to talk to some of these artists we've talked about um, I've already reached out to a couple of them to tell us that we're doing this. Um, and listen, these guys are busy. You know, you've, you've got to you've got to be creating the art in order to get paid, in order to feed, you know, in order to provide for your family, in order to live and pay the bills. So I get it. Um, hopefully, they'll they'll find time to come on. Um, I want to talk about our pickups. You know, things that we've got, things that you actually want to get that you've seen. I mean, you you know, you're a few surface cards away, but what what then? What then? Okay. Once you so pick I those up. Exactly. Do you want to talk about that now or do you want to save it? We can save it. I'll tell my plan later. <laughs> I was going to say, let's not give them all the juice on episode one. Yeah, we'll talk about Norin's plan that's really not a plan uh, um, uh, in the future. Um, card grading. We want to talk about card grading. I know one young man who will yes. definitely be want to come on and talk about that. Yeah. Um, he is seriously jonesing for that conversation he's probably dialing us right now uh promos i want to talk about promo cards Ooh, i want to talk about promos i've written this down as in defense of promos i've no idea why i've written that because i don't feel that they need defending <laughs> um i don't but, know man there's um, some groups out there that are totally against promos it's a real it's a real no, dilemma i know why i've written it down i've written it down because they are starting to not exist that's I've, so true. I've, I've a, I have a serious issue with that. And um, so I, I do want to talk about that. Um, and I'm hoping that at some point in the future, um, when the guys hear this, even if they're allowed to, in terms of their license with Marvel, some of the guys from Upper Deck can come on. Maybe some that. of the guys from Rittenhouse who had the license before could come on and tell us about some of the background as to how they built some of those sets. Because Rittenhouse put out an enormous amount of product. Such a good um, job. They Such they put out an incredible amount of um, sets in the what did they have that license what ten years? 
for about 10 years. Exactly. I know it wasn't, I know it wasn't exclusive towards the end of that because Upper Deck started putting out Marvel Beginnings and some of the MCU yeah. stuff around 2010, 2011, that kind of time. So Their websites are still up. So people who are listening, those Rittenhouse websites with the sketch artist list yep. and like the nine page previews of what those sketch artists do. I use that as a resource every time. And they're, they're, they're very thorough. That was they awesome. They are brilliant. They are brilliant stuff. So, um, so yeah, listen, we got lots to talk about. Um, we got lots more to do. Um, I should probably credit, but I can't remember it. So I'll drop it in afterwards. The, um, guy who did our opening music that you're about to hear the end of, um, yes. that I right. will edit onto this episode afterwards by the magic of, uh, by the magic of technology. And, um, Hey, Norin, this has been fun. Let's do it again I next week. It. I'm in. All right. Thanks for listening, folks. And we'll see you next time on the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors podcast. You can subscribe by our home on anchor.fm forward slash MCCP. Leave us a message via that link with questions, comments, or just to say hi, and we may even play on the show. We'll also be on iTunes and most other main podcast platforms soon. On Facebook, you can find Marvel Car Collectors Worldwide by searching MCCW and Marvel Masterpieces Collectors by searching MMC. On Instagram, find us at MMCollectors and at SketchCardHive. The great music we use is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time and remember, it's a small hobby but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting. <laughs>